Scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Paul writes, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we also may be glorified with Him. May God bless the reading of His Word. Yeah, I don't know if you follow the Royals, anybody? I really don't follow the Royals much, but I have noticed that uh, Prince Harry's been in the news lately. Y'all followed this a little bit, maybe? Uh, and the reason he and his wife are in the news is because they, are, they have proposed to step back from the royal family. And so I think, from what I could read, they're still working out what that would look like and all these kind of things. But, you know, there's definitely some questions. One question, though, is whether this stepping back from the royal family will cause him to lose some of his titles. You know, they have all these different titles. You know. So, uh, Prince Harry, when he married his wife, he was, given, he was given the title Duke of Sussex. And the title of Duke is the, is the highest ranking hereditary title in the United Kingdom. It, it outranks all the other titles of nobility. And in order to have this title, title Royal Duke given to you, uh, you must be a male of the royal bloodline. So Prince Philip is the Duke of Edinburgh. Prince Charles is the Duke of Cornwall and Duke of Rothsey. Prince William is the Duke of Cambridge and the title Duke of Sussex was given to Prince Harry. And the reason I share this story about these, these people and Prince Harry is that, you know, these titles tell you a little about the person. For example, Harry, he's a prince, he's a duke, among other titles. You can read these all kind of different titles that he's given. Now, will he retain these titles or not uh, when they move to Canada or wherever they're moving? I don't know. Who knows? You can maybe keep up with that and let me know what happens. But, you know, we don't use these titles much in our country. We don't use, you know, duke and uh, prince and all these types of titles. But we do have titles that we give people. And these titles tell us a little bit about them. Whether the title is son or daughter or mother, father, teacher, professor, student, soldier, doctor. You know, all these titles that we give people tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do. And they tell us a little bit about the, the person they're attached to. Well, in the passage that we're looking at this morning in Romans 8, Paul uses three titles. He gives us three titles, those of us who are in Christ, that tell us a little bit about what it looks like and what it means to be adopted into the family of God through faith in Christ. He calls those in Christ debtors, sons, and heirs. And so let's look at each of these titles. First, Paul calls us debtors in verses 12 and 13. He says, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit 
you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so notice he says you're debtors. We are debtors. If you're in Christ, you're a debtor, but not to the flesh. See, the flesh represents life without Christ. Life without the Spirit of God. Life outside the family of God. So before we came to Christ, you know, we were living you know, with blinders on, so to speak. Blinded to God and blinded to what He offers us. Blinded by sin. Then when, by, you know, by the grace of God, we became aware of our spiritual blindness, we reached out to Jesus by faith and gave our lives to Him. And when we did that, one writer said that God made a large deposit of life and power into our account. He gave us new life. And now that we are in Christ, Paul has been telling us that God's Spirit dwells within us, and we are no longer debtors to the flesh. We are now debtors to God. And you know, there are different types of debt. For example, some types of debt uh, enslave you and oppress you and are so weighty that you, you can never get out from under it. It, it really holds you down and keeps you from enjoying life. And then there's this debt of gratitude. And maybe you've experienced this type of debt. And I think this is the type of debt that Paul is talking about here. That we are, we are debtors to God to use the, the life and the power He has given us to pursue life. And one writer explained it this way. He says, On most railroads there are control towers where a traffic engineer can switch one or another train to the main line as he sees fit. God is now telling us in our text that the redeemed man stands in the control tower and that he is debtor to God to pull the switch that will allow the resurrection power of Christ to run down the main line of our lives. And if we deliberately reach out and pull the switch that allows the flesh to take control of our lives, then we're out of the will of God and we'll be fully accountable for our failure to that which He has provided for us. And so we are, we are debtors to the plan of God, the life of God, and the power of God. And we are not debtors to the flesh. We owe the flesh nothing. So we have this opportunity and we have the power to pursue life that God has for us both now and forever. And so because of what God has done, is doing, and will do, we should want to live for Him. We should have this sense of a debt to Him, debt of gratitude. We are debtors to God. There's a second title that Paul uses. He says that those in Christ are called sons of God. Now, ladies, don't be too put off by that um, because this applies not only to men but to all those who come to Christ, both male and female. Just like in Ephesians, uh, Paul calls Christians the bride of Christ. So I have no problem being called the bride of Christ and I, hopefully you won't have any problem being called sons of God. But look at verses 14 through 16. Paul writes, For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So Paul says that those who have faith in Jesus are sons of God. And this means that before we came to Christ, we were not children of God. We were not sons and daughters of God. And this goes along with what John tells us in his Gospel 
in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, but to all who did receive him, he's speaking of Jesus there, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so we have become children of God because we now have the spirit of God. And the spirit of God is the the spirit of adoption. We talked about this last week, how the spirit of God applies Jesus' saving work to our spirits, and we have been born again. And so Paul here is drawing this, this picture of adoption, this image of adoption. He's drawing from his uh, knowledge of adoption from the Roman Empire in his own day. And one writer explained the process of adoption this way from Paul's day. He says, adoption usually occurred when a wealthy adult had no heir to his estate. And so he didn't have any children. And so he would adopt someone to inherit his estate. And it could be a a child, a youth, or an adult. But the moment the adoption occurred, several, several things were immediately true of the new son. One, his old debts and legal obligations were canceled. Two, he got a new name and was instantly heir of all the father had. Three, his new father became instantly liable for all his actions, his debts, crimes, etc. But four, the new son had new obligations to honor and please his father. And so all of that lies behind this picture of adoption that Paul is using here in this passage. And here are some ways that this process of adoption applies to us as Christians. First is we see that you know, apart from Christ, we are outside the family of God. That we are not sons and daughters of God apart from Christ. And we would have remained outside the family of God if it were not for the love of God. We read in the scripture, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it's by giving his son that he has made a way for us to be brought into the family of God. Just like a child who may be in an orphanage. I mean, they can't adopt themselves. Someone has to reach out out of love and adopt them into their family, make them part of their family. And that's what God has done. He has reached out in love to us and made a way for us to be brought in to his family. So apart from Christ, we are outside of the family of God. And the second thing we see is that when we are brought into the family of God by faith, all of our debts are paid and we are given a new name, a new position. And so through faith in Christ, all that separated us from God and kept us outside of the family of God, all our sin has been forgiven. And we are placed in a right standing with God. We are children of God. We are given a new name. And so we cry out, Paul says, we cry out, Abba, Father. Now calling God Father uh, may not seem like a very big deal to us because we're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We've heard God referred to as Father uh, all the time. Every time we maybe go to a service or whatnot, or maybe a small group, or hear someone pray, it's not uncommon to have them pray to God, referring to Him as Father. However, the Jews never addressed God as Father. And it's really not until Matthew 6, where Jesus teaches His disciples to pray, that He refers to God as Father. But not only that, He, he, he refers to God as our Father, which was revolutionary. And it's a, it's a privilege that maybe we tend to overlook. 
But the reason we can call God Father is because we've been brought into the family of God by the spirit of adoption. And this changes the way we relate to God. I mean, just think about it. For example, a person relates differently to their father as they would relate to a boss, right? You know, an employee lives every day, works every day in their business, whatever it may be, with an understanding that they could be let go. You know, if they don't perform, they could be fired. Or if the company's downsized, they could be let go. I mean, there's, there's that understanding in the whole employee contract that that could happen. However, it's different for a son or a daughter. A son is secure. A daughter is secure in their relationship with the father. And we enjoy all the rights and responsibilities and privileges that are ours in the family of God. And so we don't perform in order to keep our position. Rather, it's from that position of a son or daughter being accepted and loved by God and what He's done for us. It's from that position that we are now able to perform, or better yet, live out who we really are. Live out our position as sons and daughters of God. So if you have faith in Christ, then you are a child of God. God is your Father. And I'd encourage you to just think about this. When you pray, when you pray, how do you address God? And if you find that you're, I mean, there's nothing wrong with referring to Him as God. But do you refer to Him as Father? You know, in your prayers, do you ever reference God as your Father? And if you don't, I would encourage you to incorporate that language into your prayers because He is your Father. You have a relationship with Him. Yes, He is God. But you are His child. And you can call Him Father. So Paul tells us that uh, we are debtors and we are sons of God. We are in His family if we are in Christ. There's one more title that he uses in this passage and it's found in verse 17. Paul writes, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So if you have faith in Jesus, then you are heirs of God, he says. You are heirs of God. You are fellow heirs with Christ. And so an heir is someone who uh, is given something from someone's estate. Okay, You inherit something. And so those who believe in Christ as the Lord and Savior, Paul says... Uh, You are fellow heirs with Christ, meaning that you will inherit what Jesus inherits. So whatever Jesus inherits from the Father, you will partake of as well, to some degree. And so, as I was thinking about this, you know, thinking about inheritance, you know, I was thinking about the inheritance that we receive from God. This should give us hope. Knowing that there's more to life than this life, right? I mean, if we're going to inherit what Jesus has inherited, you know, he has been raised from the dead. He's received a glorified body. He's with the Father. I mean, these, these things are going to be true of us if we're in Christ. This is part of our inheritance. These are things that God will give us. And so it's encouraging to know that there's more to life than this life. And in the life to come, God has prepared an inheritance for you to receive. He's, he's prepared a place. He's prepared a position and he's prepared a people for you to enjoy for eternity. And this is the benefit uh, that is yours in Christ. And so as you think about these titles, debtor, son, and heir, I want you to think about those three 
And I want you to think about your own life and your relationship with God. And I wonder, is there one that you're having a hard time believing? One out of the three. You know, a debtor, a child, an heir. I mean, do you feel like being a Christian is like trying to pay back a, a massive credit card debt? You know, it's just like I never can, I just can never, I can never do enough. I can't get it down enough. I can't, I can't ever, you know, it's just this oppressive feeling. Or do you see that being a Christian is like receiving a valuable treasure that you're able to enjoy the way God wants you to enjoy it, that, that debt of gratitude? Or do you have a hard time seeing yourself as a child of God? You know, sometimes, although we are children of God, we can still act like the hired help, so to speak. In other words, we receive the documentation. You know, we are adopted by God, but we perhaps aren't really tapping into that relationship that we have with God. And there could be two reasons for this, and I've shared this before, but the first is what I'll call the Cinderella complex. We're all familiar with Cinderella. Uh, you know you're in the family, okay? You know you're in the family, but you see the parent as kind of a harsh taskmaster. So there, there's really no relationship there. But you're in the family, but it's like you're just cranking out tasks. You never measure up. You're constantly given more and more to do. Uh, and there's no love present. And you're constantly weighed down by guilt and shame. That could be where you stand. So maybe you don't feel like a, you know, a full son and daughter. You kind of feel like Cinderella. The second reason that we don't experience our sonship more deeply is that is what I'll call the Annie complex, you know, little orphan Annie. You know, when little orphan Annie was brought into Mr. Warbuck's house, uh, she was thankful she was brought in, but she didn't realize her status yet. I mean, she was, the first thing she did was ask, you know, what can I clean? And so she didn't understand that she was brought in as a, as a guest, that she was brought into the house as a guest, as a part of the household. Not as a maid. And so it took some time you know, for her to see that she actually be, was part of the family. But there may be some that are having a hard time believing that you, know, that you are part of the family of God. And Paul says if you're in Christ and you are in a privileged position to call God your father. You've not only been forgiven of your sin, but you've also been given access to the fatherhood of God. You're in his family. And lastly, you know, do you believe you're an heir of God? A fellow heir with Christ. You know, it's possible to be <coughs> left out of a family member's will, right? <clears throat> you even see like movies and everything like they threaten, you know, I'm going to take you out of my will. I'm going to change my will. You know, you're out of here. You know, that's, a, that's always, a, you know, maybe a little plot twist in a, in a movie or a story. And it's possible. I mean, a family member may have you in their will and then something may happen. They don't like it. They take you out of their will. That's possible. But Paul tells us that, you know, if we have faith in Christ, and we read this throughout the scripture, that if we are in Christ, that our name is in the book. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we're going to see that at the end of this chapter. So in Christ, we have a future and a hope that is secure. And so, you know, when you look at Prince Harry, for example, Prince Harry's got these titles, and he may lose these titles if he decides to step away. Whatever that may mean. But for those of us in Christ, we never lose our titles. You know, we are secure in Christ. We'll always be debtors, thankful for what God has done for us. We'll always be children of God. And God will always be our Father. 
And we'll always enjoy the inheritance God will give us as fellow heirs with Christ. And it's like I said at the beginning, you know, titles can tell you a lot about a person. And the titles that Paul gives, debtors, sons, heirs, these are just wonderful reminders for us of who we are in Christ. And so I hope you'll let these titles sink into your heart and serve as reminders of who you are in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for these terms that are in your word that tell us uh, just an aspect of our relationship with you that has been secured in Christ, that we are debtors, that you have done so much for us that out of a, a debt of gratitude, you uh, want us to live for you, to, to pursue life both now and forever. How we pray that we would do that in the power of your spirit, that we would surrender to your spirit's leading uh, we would submit to the direction in your word that we may experience more of the life that you give us. Lord, you tell us we are sons and daughters. We are your children. Uh, that you've adopted us. You've paid the price and brought us into your family. You've done that. We didn't do that. We could not do that. But you've done that for us and we're so thankful. I pray that everybody here would see themselves, if they are in Christ, that they would see themselves as your children. And they would cry out to you, Abba, Father. And Lord, thank you for the inheritance that you give all your children. That we are fellow heirs with Christ. That we have a future and a hope. That there is more to life than this life. Lord, help us to keep that in perspective as we live this life. Help us have eternal perspective and know that you are not done with us. That you are always with your people. And that you are preparing a place, a position, a people uh, for us to be with forever. Lord, I pray you would apply these titles to our hearts today. Help us to see what is true of us in Christ. And help us by the power of your spirit to live that out each day this week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.